matter what hour your clock strikes here, it's always Halloween. And I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Welcome to yet another Small Frights Friday. On these special episodes, I like to dive into a curated selection of calls from our All Hallows Hotline and letters from our eek mailbag. But before we dive into that jack-o'-lantern pail of treats, first let's welcome the newest members of our Patreon ghoul gang, because they are the fuel of this podcast. I am frightfully happy to welcome four new patrons this week. Welcome and thank you, Sarah Hughes-Trokin, Alex Emery, Courtney Garza, and Miles French. Thank you for joining and helping us get to 73% funded. My goodness, now we are only $135 away from our first goal of $500 a month, which is how much it costs to produce this podcast. My secret wish is that we hit $500 by October 1st. Wouldn't that be a treat? If you can help us out with that, then you can subscribe to the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. Or you can make a one-time donation via our tip jar. You can also buy some podcast gear from our Redbubble. All three are linked in our show notes. Thank you so very much for ensuring we can keep It's Always Halloween going, independent, ad-free, and sustainable. Thank you to everyone who checked in with me over the last week. I hate when I have to skip an episode. It happens more often than I would like, but I just absolutely screamed myself hoarse into a little tiny horse <laughs> midsummer scream awaken the spirits event caused me to just overdo my little talk box because i got to meet so many incredible lanterns i am just absolutely beside myself with joy at how many friendly people came out and we had a wonderful meetup on sunday afternoon and then throughout the day sunday and saturday I had so many hilarious and sweet and creative and mysterious and spooky, lovely listeners come up to me and engage me in really delightful conversation. And I just feel so lucky to know each and every one of you. And I wish I could meet every single listener out there someday, perhaps, I hope. And I want to welcome all the new listeners who I met at Midsummer Scream. Uh, my voice is feeling a lot better, but as some of you know who have been around for a while, when I do too much talking, I lose it. I lose this, I lose this lovely voice of mine. I get excited. I overdo it. I know you guys can relate. Because if there's one thing that unites all of us lanterns, it's our unbridled enthusiasm for all things Halloween. And that's what was so wonderful about Awaken the Spirits is it was just wall-to-wall holiday. Everything that you love about Halloween, the art, the creativity, the community spirit, the frights, the sounds, the candy. Oh my gosh, I got so much candy. <laughs> it was like low-key trick-or-treating. Uh, I was handing out It's Always Halloween stickers. I got so many cool little pieces, um, little art pieces. I got to meet a lot of artists that I really have enjoyed online for a long time and getting to meet in person was such an absolute joy. Um, it's so nice to get to you know, connect with other creative people. And I really think that that is something that bonds a lot of Halloween enthusiasts together is 
how dedicated we are to creativity. I think it is the most creative holiday, just in that there's so much art connected to costuming, decorating, um, really everything about it is stoked in the imagination chamber. And you don't get quite that type, that like level with any other holiday. So just to be around hundreds of creative people and everyone was so community minded, everyone was wearing their masks, people weren't being gross, there was no fighting, um, there were no brawls, everybody seemed really polite to the support staff. I was just really very touched by the entire experience. And if you were there and we didn't get to connect, I am so sorry. I wish that we would have. And if you weren't able to make it because uh, this world is vast and sadly, so many of us are strewn across the world from each other, that's okay. We will have time in the future together. I believe that. So I have recovered almost fully from Midsummer Scream, but you know how it is with those fun events the adrenaline keeps kicking for a few days after. So it, <laughs> it did take me almost a week. Uh, however, by the time Friday rolled around, I had my voice back. It was too late to record anything for Pete. We have to give Pete a number of days to do his magic on the podcast. So I decided to hop on the horn and do a little introductory reading to Lisa Morton's new book, Calling the Spirits. Yeah, and it's a history book on seances. And if you would like to check that out, I did a video of it because that was something I could quickly do and just throw up and just, <laughs> just throw up online, not vomiting. I didn't quickly record it and then vomit. I promise I am no longer that type of hard partier. So I made my first video for our YouTube channel. I don't know how many videos I will be doing as I am not a video editor. I ran out of memory on my phone as I was recording it. At the very end, I had like two more minutes where I was just going to do a little outro and my phone was like, goodbye. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sleepy. Let's watch Riverdale. My phone is like always trying to get me to watch Riverdale and I'm like, no. And then it like convinces me and then I'm like, okay, fine, I guess for you phone. So the phone gave it up. We had to watch Riverdale together and then I didn't get to do the end of my videos. So I... I'm working really hard at not trying to be a perfectionist because something I know I've talked to many of you about one-on-one um, -on -one in messages is just the homemade DIY excitement of Halloween and how difficult it is if you're not a visual artist. Um, there's so much competition and like perfectionism that uh, runs rampant in the community, especially because so many people are just incredible artists. And then it can make you perhaps feel as if the work that you're doing isn't as interesting or as worthy. And that's just kind of the mysterious fog that social media injects into all of our brains. So no one has to feel alone about that. But you should also feel like things don't have to be perfect because perfection is totally made up. Uh, it is a symptom of white supremacy, and it is something that is wielded in a very elitist way that I think is also very classist because perfection is only the, what do I want to say, like the, the image, the illusion of perfection 
creating that illusion is only available to a very few. And if we try to chase after that, it's almost as if we were supporting that idea that things should be like that. So all of that to say, my little aside there, to say I'm trying to be a little messier, not emotionally, um, but <laughs> but um, in in a creative in a creative way, I'm trying to think about trying to channel our elementary school Halloween parties and what our moms and dads and brothers and cousins, whoever got us ready, our grandmas, whoever whoever helped us get our costumes together, everyone was really trying their best, right? And they weren't classically trained makeup artists and they didn't have access to lots of money to rent costumes or they didn't just happen to go to a very fancy school that taught them about FX. Everyone was just doing what they could get at like the local Goodwill and the little, you know, plastic crinkly makeup pentagon that you would buy at the drugstore with the really horrible scratchy sponge. And you did what you could with that. And it was glorious. And there's a reason people are really nostalgic for our youth. Of course, it is the way that our brains are wired, but also they, that was a much more simplistic time and we had less competition and you weren't just constantly seeing images of all the most talented people in your brain morning, noon, and night constantly flashing in front of you. I mean, you know, even I could put the 17 magazine down, but with phones, it's like always there. Like, Another makeup artist, an, another visual artist, another person who built a haunted house on their own. And um, you got to let go of those things. So I'm letting go of those things by just letting my video end abruptly and not comparing myself to people whose talents are video editing and putting together incredible YouTube videos because I'm just having fun and I'm trying to create fun stuff for you guys as well. And uh, my real talent lies in um, podcasting and live performance. And uh, the video stuff is just a, just a fun little extra. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. It's on our YouTube. It's on Patreon. I'll put it in our show notes. And if you enjoy hearing me read stories, then you're in luck because we also offer uh, extra episodes of ghost stories on our Patreon. And I will be reading some more for the general feed coming up in this, our official Halloween season. And our other history episodes will be back soon. You know, I'm sure many of you new listeners keep hearing me say these very special Friday episodes. And you're like, these are the only episodes we're getting. <laughs> and, and you know why? It's for a, such an incredible reason. My trick-or-treat pail is overflowing. Uh, I, the, the eek mailbox, totally packed. The hotline ringing off the hook constantly. I am honestly having trouble keeping up with all of you incredible lanterns who keep showing up. The podcast is growing exponentially. I wasn't prepared for it to take off like this. It's very exciting. And I'm kind of caught in the middle of this going so well uh, and me having so much fun with it and just wanting to do it constantly, waking up and thinking about it and going to bed and thinking about it. And when I'm at the grocery store thinking about it and everything I want to do, but then also having two other jobs to go to. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm in this weird phase of my life right now where it feels like new things are about to happen, but they haven't quite happened yet. And um, 
geez, there's just not enough time for everything. (laughs) So all that to say, new history episodes coming soon, new Patreon stories coming soon. And hey, if there's anyone out there who would like to be an intern at It's Always Halloween, we would love to bring you aboard to help with some of our correspondence stuff. If you're good with computer things, if you could make my YouTube video look a little better, (laughs) let me know. But you know what? Don't make it too good because I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to have it not stop right in the middle of a sentence. Our first eek mail today comes from Melissa, and the subject line is short, sweet, and true. It's always Halloween. Dearest Luce, hello. I have so much to say. I almost don't know where to start. I got the itch for Halloween early this year, and I found your podcast and got hooked. I love the community of Halloween lovers that you've brought together. You have such a soothing voice, and I think you're made of peeps because you're the sweetest. Aww. I'm writing to share my love of Halloween and my love for the vibe of Halloween. I'm not really sure where it came from. When I was seven or eight years old, I was absolutely obsessed with the movie Labyrinth, and honestly, I still am. Then, of course, I got into many of the popular faves, Casper with Christina Ricci, Hocus Pocus, and, of course, Clue. Then, in my high school years, I used to watch The X-Files sitting alone in my bedroom floor in the dark. Last year, I got really into witchcraft, and it brought me even closer to all things Halloween. I realized I wanted to get into the craft. Oh yeah, that's another great movie. After, I got sent this picture from my grandmother. It's from when I was six or seven, and I was dressed for a witch for Halloween. I just was so drawn to this picture, I kept looking at it, feeling like it was telling me something. So I got into witchcraft. Some ways I like to keep it spooky all year are watching a ton of horror movies and also listening to my favorite Pandora station, Halloween Party Radio. I love all the songs on there. I'm sure everyone knows Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band, but have you heard the Sugar Ray version? It's so good. I also have my sleeve that I'm working on, totally Halloween themed. Last year, I also dressed up as a witch. And just to end this little email, hope it's not too long, I wanted to show my support for you. Love the podcast, and I can't wait for more Halloween. Your Luceo Lantern, Melissa. Oh, Melissa, what a lovely eek mail. Thank you so much. And she sent her reference to wanting to support the podcast. She sent a really lovely picture of her in one of our t-shirts from Redbubble. So thank you so much for that as well. It looks adorable on you and quite bewitching, but not as bewitching as these incredible pictures of you in a witch costume. So I have to throw these up on our Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast. And she included the one of from when she was six or seven too. And it's so cute. She has a long white wig and a very tall witch hat and it looks like a a, a black gown with really long sleeves and she either has a yellow sweater on underneath or perhaps a cast from a broken arm. You'll have to confirm, Melissa. These are just so lovely. I absolutely adore getting trick-or-treat pictures or Halloween pictures from when you were a little kid. So keep flooding the Instagram and the eek mail bag with these pictures. I love them. I love to share them on Trick or Treat Throwback Thursday. And last but not least, 
your Halloween themed tattoo sleeve. Oh my goodness. It's her whole arm and it's, I love it. It's a lot of different vignettes and it seems like different artists contributed to it, which I really enjoy a lot. It's like you have a really fan, fantastic collection of all kinds of different styles here. You have a witch pinup and a psychedelic ghost and a bunch of little bats and a kitty bat, which I love animal mashups and a beautiful uh, wooded path with jack-o'-lanterns along it, reminiscent of Over the Garden Wall. And of course, some skulls and spider webs and mummies and a little gravestone that says October 31st. <laughs> this is just fantastic. You are clearly a giant Halloween fan, Melissa, and I am so impressed with your dedication and I'm so happy that you found us. I know a lot of listeners will agree with you that Clue is such a fantastic movie. I've actually had other people recommend that for like a cozy Halloween watch. I haven't watched Clue in years, so I don't typically think of it as a Halloween movie, but it has come up enough now that I am curious to revisit. And The X-Files just means so much to me. My dad and I watched that when I was growing up, and it was our favorite weekend tradition. We would watch The Simpsons and then King of the Hill and then... But the coup de grace was The X-Files. And when the movie came out, we went to see it together, but I had already moved out of the house by the time the second movie came out. And I don't think we ever got to see that one together, but it's been really fun. Over the pandemic, I have been revisiting the series with Isaac, who never watched it. So I'm watching it for the first time all the way through since it was on television. And, you know, as an adult instead of as a kid, and it's really hitting so much different now. And it's really interesting to think about like the 90s and the time when conspiracies were fun instead of like scary and dividing our country in horrific ways. And I'm like, oh man, wouldn't it just be great if it was like aliens aren't real? Yes, they are real. It's a government conspiracy. Like if that was the only thing people were worked up about, the government covering up was aliens. Ugh, what an easier time that would be, huh? So I do find that aspect of the show kind of comforting, and it's fun to watch it through Isaac's eyes, who's never seen it before, and kind of bond with a new person over it. And for our anniversary last year, he got me a really sweet uh, sterling silver UFO necklace and a little gold necklace with an alien inside of a heart. <laughs> so my romantic X-Files-themed anniversary jewelry made me very happy. It's a very good gift giver. Um, I mean, I'm down to talk X-Files anytime. I think this is the first time it's ever come up on the podcast, but it is seriously one of my most cherished things. I think it actually has a lot to do with the core of my personality because watching it at like 10, I was seeing things that I'd never seen before. The episode where witches take over a local high school was, and it, it's basically kind of mirroring satanic panic, but I didn't know that when I was a kid. Watching it now, I was just like, oh my God, yes, this episode got me into witchcraft. <laughs> Some combination of the craft and Hocus Pocus and that very specific episode of The X-Files. Uh, speaking of which, at Midsummer Scream, Awaken the Spirits, I met this really cool artist, this uh, jewelry maker, whose uh, name, I don't remember her full name, but her company is called Madam Whiskers, and she has an Etsy, and she has an Instagram, Madam Whiskers, and she makes really cool original laser cut earrings, and I got these cute little black stud earrings, they're little heart studs, 
And on one side in green, like neon green, it says Scully. And on the other earring in neon green, it says Mulder. And I was just like, yes, I never see X-Files like stuff like that anymore. And it's great to see it kind of getting a resurgence. Melissa, this was a lovely eek mail. Thank you so much for sharing your love of Halloween and spooky movies and TV and for supporting the podcast. I love seeing your witch pictures and I look forward to hearing from you more in the future. Now let's head over to our hotline and listen to our first call. I was saying, Pete, my name is Alex. I hope y'all are doing well. I've been binging your show, like, nonstop since early August when I got my Halloween cravings early this year. I'll probably be calling into the hotline lots and lots more, but for my first visit, I wanted to make a video recommendation. Outsiders, How to Adapt H.P. Lovecraft in the 21st Century by H. Bomber Guy is, like, a super brilliant exploration of H.P. Lovecraft's horror mainly questioning why his works are so beloved by queer people and other quote-unquote outsiders when the man himself was a staunch, racist, anti-Semite, homophobe, and just like a general turd. I'd always been too scared to really enjoy horror myself until I began considering why certain things are scary and how we can meaningfully unpack those fears, both personally and societally. And H. Guy's video really helped me in shifting my lens on horror. And even though I'm still way too much of a scaredy cat to enjoy the thrill of, say, A Haunted House, I've recently found myself appreciating more horror books, movies, and podcasts. So I thought I'd call in to recommend the video to other listeners. Thanks for your incredibly insightful and fun podcast, Lucre. And thanks, Pete, for your spooky music and edits. I hope you all have a good day and a spooky night. Bye-bye. Alex, this is such a fantastic recommendation, a really interesting deep dive. I was not familiar with this video creator, and I had never heard of this uh, video before, but I'm also very interested in HP, HP Lovecraft for those same reasons, and I think it's interesting the way in which horror and sci-fi in general definitely speaks to those of us who have been, who are, you know, as par- a part of marginalized communities. And it's interesting how even if the artist doesn't intend for their works to be interpreted that way, you know, once something has left the grip of the artist and it is seen and enjoyed by the world, it doesn't really belong to the artist anymore. So um, I really love the ways in which, despite the fact that he was racist and homophobic and just not a good person, his work is almost like elevated past his limited viewpoints and capabilities and has become something more in the hands of the people that really enjoy it. And um, I'm excited. I didn't get a chance to watch this whole video. It's a 30-minute video, incredibly in-depth, really well-produced and put together. I'm excited to sit down and actually like watch the whole thing in a very focused way when I'm not in the middle of doing my own <laughs> my own episode. And I just know that our uh, fellow lanterns are definitely going to love watching this. So the Outsiders video that Alex 
uh, told us about is in the show notes. And I just want to thank you for that lovely call, Alex. I'm so happy that we've been able to kickstart the spooky season with you here. And feel free to call back or write in anytime with more fantastic recommendations. Our next eek mail subject line is just small frights. Hi, Luce. My name's Mackenzie. They, them. I love this podcast. It has been an amazing find, and I absolutely love listening. I wanted to share a store slash Instagram account I follow that makes me feel spooky all year round. It's called Murder Apparel, at Murder, Murder Apparel on Instagram. I think they have the best t-shirts that are very spooky and Halloween themed, but I have a couple that I rock every day of the year. Also, their Instagram account is so, so great. They post year-round spooky comics and drawings and other pictures that are done by some crazy talented people. I find this account helps me stay in a spooky mood 365 days a year. Thanks so much. All my best, Mackenzie. You're so welcome, Mackenzie. Thank you. I had not heard of Murder Apparel before, and their Instagram is very fun. They, I really do appreciate it when accounts boost artists by tagging them and also putting the artist's name and tag in the caption as well, giving credit where credit is due. And in that way, this account has, you know, thousands of followers and they can spread the love to other artists. I think that's awesome. Their shirts do look very fun, very colorful and very creative. So thank you so much for thinking of us, Mackenzie. I know other listeners are going to be interested in them as well. I also want to say how much I appreciate you putting your pronouns in your email. By all means, that's not necessary for every single person, but it definitely helps. And I love that people are cognizant of that and aware of that. And as much as I can normalize people using pronouns, I would like to do that as well. So you're the best, Mackenzie, and I look forward to hearing from you again in a future date. All right, let's take our next hotline call. Like it needs to be hot, 
It needs to be slightly acidic from the apple cider that's in them. It needs to be kind of moist. Just, I think they could be stunning, and I feel so badly for anybody that has not experienced that. Anyway, I wanted to tell a little bit of a funny story about them as well, that when I was a kid, I firmly believed that apple cider donuts were only made and sold during the autumn season. And one day, when I, I must have already been in high school, I it was probably spring or summer, just obviously off fall season, and I went to the local like farm store that we would usually buy them from during the fall, <laughs> and when I walked in, there was a whole wall of apple cider donuts, and my reality at that moment just shattered, and I was so, I was so upset that apple cider donuts, it turns out, were made and sold year-round. <laughs> it somehow, I don't know, it kind of made them less special, and, and then I was also kind of angry at my mom, where it's like, why did you only buy these during the fall? Like, you had me under this illusion. So it was just a whole thing, and it it truly did completely warp my reality. Um, but I just I just thought that was, was funny. I thought you would appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to know what people think. Um, okay, thank you. Bye. Laura, fantastic question. I'm so happy that you brought up apple cider donuts. And yes, it is freaking crazy that we haven't talked about these yet because listen, I agree. I think apple cider donuts are not only outrageously delicious, but I still feel like they're really rare. And I cannot believe that you discovered that they're being sold year round. That ruins a little bit of the magic for me too. There's certain movies that I don't watch year-round because I don't want to spoil the Halloween feeling that I get when I watch them. And I feel that way about food. Like if there was pumpkin butter from Trader Joe's available all year-round, I wouldn't eat it. (laughs) Because while it is always Halloween, it's also very special to have things be limited in some capacity so that a time of the year still feels special and unique. And if every day... If we celebrated Halloween all year round the same way all year round, then it wouldn't feel like it was meaningful. So I like that we can celebrate Halloween in different ways throughout the year. And I do think that apple cider donuts should be something that we just save for the autumnal months. I used to get oh, just incredible, incredible ones. And I completely agree with you. They have to be moist and acidic. Like your description was perfect. I do not think that they're just, listen, maybe some people are having apple cider donuts that are just caked in like cinnamon and nutmeg, but like that is not my experience. The ones I've had are, uh, I have a much deeper experience with them. (laughs) They're much more lush and uh, dare I say exquisite, They're not just covered in sugar. Those are powdered sugar donuts. Those are different donuts. (laughs) The ones that I have gotten before are outside of my hometown at a Grobe Orchard in Ohio. And then they also have apple cider slushies, which I think are one of the greatest tastes of all time. And I haven't been able to find an orchard here in California yet that does apple cider donuts or apple cider slushies and it's just like uh, hard eyes you know like 
I am just so jonesing for these flavors. And I know I need to go back to the Midwest to like truly experience them or maybe come to New Jersey where they're available all the time. If you haven't heard Laura's episode, go back a few to hear about her incredible tradition of window painting. Uh, She sent in a bunch of pictures. I put some up um, a few weeks ago on our Instagram, but she, those were ones that I pulled from an article online and she sent ones in that are like her painting specifically. So um, this was from an episode, let's see, uh, July 23rd's episode. So um, I have some new window painting pictures to put up, and I just think that her tradition, her town's tradition of having all the high school students paint all the local windows is so beautiful and quaint and such a great way to build a connection and weave Halloween spirit throughout your town. So great to hear from you again, Laura. I absolutely adore the fact that you're keeping a running list of things you want to discuss I'm doing that too. (laughs) And I know many other lanterns are as well. So please come back uh, anytime. And uh, this is uh, a point I'm going to jump in here. This is for everybody. So Laura's message went a little long and it clipped her off and she called back into the hotline to leave her goodbye. Now, you guys didn't know that because we edited it together with podcast magic. I say we again. It's Pete. Pete is doing the magic. (laughs) It's not magic. It's talent. Um, So here's the thing. The hotline is through Google Voice, and Google Voice has a static three-minute limit on voicemails. So you get three minutes if you call into the hotline. However, many people get cut off when they call, and then they just call back and they leave another message. Now, everybody listening, you don't necessarily know that because we go in there with our our talent magic and we weave the two calls together. It sounds seamless. And I realized that perhaps I was not being transparent enough with everybody. People were maybe calling and not feeling prepared or surprised or embarrassed when they got cut off. So you get three minutes. If you can't, if you need to go a little longer, you can call back. We will edit it together. Don't feel bad. I would say it happens to a quarter to a third of people who call in. And uh, it's totally fine. And sometimes people write out ahead of time what they want to say and they read it. You're welcome to do that. And you're also welcome to just go off the cuff like I am currently doing. (laughs) Thanks so much for a fabulous second call, Laura. We look forward to hearing from you more. And I can't wait to hear what our other lanterns think about apple cider donuts, apple cider slushies. What else can apple cider do? I mean, I love it hot and the idea of having it cold like the first time I was like apple cider slushy <laughs> that's crazy and then I was like oh no it's much better like this um I feel at this point that apple cider could probably do almost anything so let's hear your most creative apple cider recipes up next an eek mail with the subject line Miami Biltmore Hotel a Halloween story say I just found your podcast and I've been binging each episode little by little so that they last I love them so much they're helping me get through the summer until we reach the fall I love everything Halloween autumn spooky and witchy inspired so thank you for your amazing and creative podcast in previous episodes I've heard you talking about Salem Massachusetts 
I hope to visit this year. So if you end up doing a trip or a little lantern meetup, I would love to join. Anyways, I'm from Miami and I grew up there. It was always really hard to get into the fall spirit, but we do but we do Halloween pretty well despite the heat that is still there well into October. Luckily, I now live in New York City. Today, I want to share a personal Halloween story from the 1990s. In Miami, we have the historic and fancy Biltmore Hotel, and it's rumored to be haunted. It was built in 1926. They hosted glamorous fashion shows, galas, golf tournaments, and water shows in what was then the largest pool in the world. At a loud party on the 13th floor of the hotel, a gangster named Thomas Fatty Walsh was shot and killed by another gangster. I actually found a picture of both gangsters and attached them here. As you can imagine, that murder fueled a lot of ghost rumors over the years. Then World War II happened, and the federal government transformed the hotel into a military hospital. Then in 1968, the hospital closed, and it became abandoned and kids would sneak in. In 1983, it was renovated to what it is today. One Halloween when I was in high school, my friends and I wanted to do something spooky and mischievous, so we snuck into the hotel and tried to go to the actual 13th floor, which is 14 on the elevator, but for some reason the elevator would not stop there. We sort of got lost and it really felt like we were in a haunted house. We finally made it to the 13th floor and it was very clear that there were no guests on that floor. It looked like it was being renovated and had all these plastic sheets coming down from the ceiling. It started to get really cold, but like I said, it's usually warm in Miami, so that was very odd. So we started to hear weird sounds and then a loud clank like a steel bar suddenly hitting the floor. We started screaming and trying to look for the red exit sign, but with all the plastic sheets, it was really hard to find. Finally, we saw it and ran down the stairs, out of the hotel and into our car. Coincidentally, a year later, my job had their annual meeting there, and I never forgot that. Thanks for your podcast. I absolutely love it. Claudia Autumn. Claudia Autumn, what a great name and what a great eek mail. My goodness, I had such a hard time not giggling while I was reading it because I could completely picture you and your teen friends a little in over your head, having a ton of fun, but also being like very scared that something crazy was happening. Um, I love that feeling of psyching each other up when you're in a group and you're like, this is dumb, whatever, nothing's happening. And then like one sound out of nowhere just like sends you scrambling like crawling up the wall like a scared cat and it just reminds me of when friends of mine tried to do like a ghost hunt when we were younger and it's like literally all we had to hear was like air conditioning turning on and we were like ah it's the ghost <laughs> like <laughs> you get yourself in this um frame of mind where you're just so easily startled but it's really fun and I just think that this is such a cool kind of a Halloween celebration that you did with your friends. Um, such a terrific, um, such really terrific history. I wasn't familiar with the Biltmore Hotel. However, there is a haunted hotel in Los Angeles, also called the Biltmore, the Millennium Biltmore in downtown. I have stayed there a couple of times. It's a beautiful hotel and the pool, uh, which 
supposedly children have drowned in and is haunted by ghost children, the scariest kinds of ghosts. Um, But more interesting than that, it was the pool in Cruel Intentions. So obviously I had to check that out when I moved here. Perhaps I have not mentioned my love for Cruel Intentions on this podcast before. It is not a Halloween movie. It is not a cozy movie, but it was very influential to me in my youth. So that is that loose connection. Anyways, back to your Biltmore Hotel, Autumn, Claudia Autumn, the the most beautiful name. I love it. Um, I just really, this, this history is so interesting. And I think the reason why, like, hotels that have been around for like hundreds of years, like, I mean, of course, built in 1926, that's like almost 100 years. I'm being very hyperbolic, hundreds of years. But there are hotels, you know, 100 years is a really long time. And like this hotel has had a life. Like the fact that it was already like a very glamorous hotel that had a disturbing gangster murder in it, and then became a World War II military hospital. Yikes. They saw a lot of scared, sad, struggling people in that place. So I bet the energy is just off the charts. Very curious to know if any other Florida Lanterns are familiar with the Biltmore Hotel, if you've stayed there, if you've been haunted there. And of course, please call in with your ghost stories, your hotel stories. A haunted hotel that I highly recommend is the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. That is the inspiration for the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's The Shining. I had the great opportunity to visit there a few years ago with a friend of mine whose parents had a little mountain, winter mountain cabin in Estes Park. And we had really fabulous drinks there. And we went and we stood in front of uh, room 237. And... (laughs) Not only is it the inspiration for The Shining, but also Dumb and Dumber was filmed there. (laughs) So truly, two of my favorite movies, totally opposite tones, Uh, getting to visit this location was very fulfilling for me. Um, And you know, this really, this episode's really spanning the gamut on my... (laughs) My film taste, Dumb and Dumber, Cruel Intentions... (laughs) The Shining. Wow. Is she a film buff or what? Oh my gosh. So pretentious. She really knows film. Um, Anyhow, let's hear about your haunted hotel stories. I find hotels to be equally charming and exciting and fun and then like deeply terrifying because you're just sharing this space with who knows what came before you. It's fascinating. It's deep. It's freaky. All right. Thank you so much, Claudia Autumn. And um, you guys, that's another wonderful Small Frights episode. So you, it's your turn now. You like what you hear? You can be a part of all this. Give us a call at 802-532-DID or write us that email at it's always Halloween Podcast at gmail.com. We love recommendations. We love trick-or-treat stories. We love to hear about costumes and recipes and hot hot topics, hot takes on Halloween. Uh, And of course, share us your ghost stories, your urban legends. What was the freaky thing that you did in high school with your friends to celebrate Halloween when you were too old to trigger tree, but still had to get up to a little bit of mischief? I want to hear about it. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who contributed today. 
As I said at the top of the episode, if you love It's Always Halloween, please subscribe at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween or make a one-time donation using our tip jar. You can also support the podcast by buying It's Always Halloween merch on Redbubble. That link is in our show notes and on our Instagram as well. Our Instagram handle is It's Always Halloween Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LTB Comedy, and you can follow our sound engineer and editor Pete at Mittenberries. This episode of It's Always Halloween was performed by me, Luce Tomlin-Brenner, with help from your fellow lanterns, Melissa, Mackenzie, Claudia, Alex, and Laura. The editing and theme music and sound design is by the incredible Pete Burns. Thank you so much, Pete. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much to us if you would leave us a five-star review and a little rating that helps other ghouls find us. And I just want to share a sweet um, a sweet review that we got recently from Robin Who 13 The subject is a must for any Halloween file. Halloweenophile. Not a word I've heard somehow. I love that. Halloweenophile. Okay, Robin Who says... I tend to be a very picky podcast listener, but I've been a big fan of this one since its first episode. Wow, that's great. One thing I really appreciate about It's Always Halloween is that Luce and Pete always hit the perfect mark on balancing technical matters, high production quality, excellent pacing, with tone, authentic, likable, friendly, and familiar. I appreciate the strong sense of community and inclusivity that Luce fosters among her listeners. And I love how much work she puts into researching the historic and folkloric episodes. This podcast is a pure delight. Also, because one of the reoccurring pieces of music Pete inserts before the close of the show is a music box version of an old Christmas song called Toyland. Now I can carry my Halloween love right into the Christmas season because I have a music box that plays that exact same song. Thanks, Pete! My goodness, what an incredible review. Thank you so much for writing that. And um, I think I need to have a word with Pete because I did not realize that he was putting Christmas music into this show. And I just don't know if I can stand for this. Pete, Pete, what are you doing? What, what have you done? Are you trying to sink us? Um, you guys are wonderful. Thank you for all the really great reviews. Uh, This is how people know that this is a good podcast to listen to. There's so many out there and your kind words help us stand out. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of It's Always Halloween and come back next time unless you get caught up on an apple cider donut tasting tour. Mm.